There's a world out there just waiting to be discovered, but where to start? John and I are on a mission to create the ultimate world trails bucket list. This is a live project where we will gather inputs and encourage discussions by creating an NFT community interested in getting out there and being immersed in the most beautiful places around the globe. So can NFTs and the technology behind them help us reach our goal? Let's find out. Hello, 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 and welcome back. It's been a while, but we are back. Hi, John, how are you? Hi, Frank, and hi, everyone. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. So, well, it's been a while again, as I think our last episode was recorded maybe back in May. When did you go to base camp? I forgot. Right, it was end of May. Like I, I've been there early, early May, and and we recorded the last episode when I came back. So it was end of May. All right. So it has been a while, but I mean, now we have some new material, I guess, that we can share, and that's the today's episode is all about. So, well, uh, we are going to talk about the Camino de Santiago. Uh, actually, the French way, uh, as I just came back from there. Yes. And by the way, congratulations on completing the Camino. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. It was, it was indeed. Uh, I mean, it was a, the most beautiful thing I've done. I think in, in my life, honestly, uh, it's not a hyperbole. It's actually very true. I, I mean, at the end of it, I was very happy with myself, and you know. You get to think a lot during these days because sometimes you walk, sometimes you talk with people. But, you know, it's very good for, you know, uh, solving problems you might have had before or just like, I don't know, thinking, a lot of thinking. And I don't know, it's very helpful. It sounds amazing. I'm sure you have a lot to tell about not just your thinking process but even about what you saw there and how it was like even just from a physical point of view so maybe can you just walk us through like your experience like end to end what what i mean how how long did you prep for it and Mm -hmm. what did you pack and how did you even decide to just to to leave and and take the trail sure uh so well uh, as you know, I, I do like tracking. I mean, we, we're doing a whole podcast about it. So, well, and it's, I mean, it's one of the selected hikes that we have in our, in our bucket list. So, um, I mean, it was always something that was on my mind and that, you know, also my parents used to talk about it back in the past. Um, and the opportunity came because I stopped working my you know, had a full-time job and I stopped it in at the end of June this year and I had two months off and I said like maybe this is the most appropriate time to go on the Camino and so I did you know um, the organization actually it wasn't I mean I read some books uh, watch other YouTube uh, YouTubers like doing their videos on the Camino and, and that's how I got information Actually, also like talked to some people who did it, and uh, I mean, I made myself a general idea of what 
it's gonna it was gonna look like. Um, and yeah, I just booked one way train ticket from Milan to Lyon in France, and then from there I took a plane to Biarritz, which is like in the Basque region of France. And the day after, I arrived to my I mean the start of the Camino, which is Saint Saint Jean Pied de Port in southern France, and yeah, and then it all started from there. Amazing, I I feel I feel it's very um, like hectic. Not just because you have to really like feel energetic every day and and walk for for how long? Like six or seven hours, I guess, as a bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, it really depends. Everyone does their own Camino. That's what they say. Like it's up to you. Um, so actually you were mentioning before like training. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I just ran or walk around like Milan or like whatever I was like before the going, doing the Camino, but like the, I had no specific training. Like I didn't hike every day or like weekends on with a backpack. Like, no, I just, I mean, the, I think like the Camino itself is the training. So when you get there and you start walking, you realize that, well, it's going to be my life for the next month or so. So the body adapts. But um, for my case, I I managed to do on average like 30 kilometers per day, which meant like, I mean, between six to eight hours of walking, depending on the pace. So yeah, right. that was my, my, my speed. That's a great accomplishment, by the way. Um, uh, regarding like uh, your gears, like what did you even pack to to bring with you? Like apart from, I mean, ordinary stuff that you pack when you when you go hiking. But let's assume that like many people don't really hike for so long. So maybe like you have to to factor in additional stuff or or just like preparing yourself differently when you when you just prepare your backpack for one month long trail yep so actually that was the most concerning i mean problem that i had before uh, embarking on the camino like that's why i actually like watch videos or i talk to people who did it just to you know get uh tips from their experiences okay so in my case i had like a a 38 liter backpack, the same that I use for, I mean, uh, either going to Kilimanjaro or like the the one for, for Via de Idei. Um, I had three, uh, let's say, changes of clothes. So I was wearing like a pair of, I mean, a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, and I had two more uh, for two extra days. So what I would do is you know you you walk during the day and at night if you're alone you you wash by hand like with uh marseille soap like uh what uh, i mean your clothes and then you will let them dry for the day after and at the same time you would change i mean and use the second you know pair of t-shirts and shorts um so i would have i mean three pairs of clothes uh i would just have my I mean, I guess ultra running shoes. I had La Sportiva. So, like, uh, just a pair of La Sportiva, which actually really helped me throughout. Uh, I mean, at the end of the trail, they were like destroyed, and I need to get rid of them, to be honest. But 
that were absolutely comparable and you know a key factor for my success i would say also major uh most important maybe element in my backpack was like the vaseline so you would apply that to your feet uh before you walk in the morning and then and at the end of the night is i mean at the end of the day instead like uh, before going to bed i would apply another like mental base cream um which i mean have refreshing the, the feet and that really actually did the trick for me like i'd never had blisters except for when i walked two days i walked for like 40 more than 40 kilometers and that's the only time the only two times that i got blisters so again going back to my backpack so it was like three pairs or change of clothes uh you know, I had like Vaseline, this other cream, and then I had like a uh, needle, a needle just for the blisters, just in case. I mean, all the, I, okay, toothbrush, toothpaste, like some medicines and like, you know, other like uh, supplements that you could get, like vit vitamins and stuff like that. Um, I had flip-flops, like some people bring sandals along the way and some like to alternate shoes with sandals, but I didn't have the need because my shoes were good and didn't have any blisters. Um, I did bring uh, a towel, like, uh, you know, one of those made of those synthetic materials. And I had my hiking poles. And what else? I mean, up to you, but I, I had also a, a journal that I took with me. So I took notes of what I did every day. And, and lastly, I, since it was, I mean, it was August when I walked, um, I got uh, like not a sleeping bag, but like the lighter version of it. And uh, that was essential when you went to the hostels because like, you know, you don't just to make sure it's, extra clean you don't want to touch even though they give you like the a cover sheet for the bed for the bed mattress and also for the pillow you want to use something else as well like a, a light sheet that um allows you not to touch directly the, the mattress so that was helpful too um and i think that's it's medium. Seems, it seems that's quite a lot of stuff to be packed in a 40 liter backpack uh it was only roughly six kilos and to be fair with you the only thing that i bought along the way was also sweater because surprisingly even in spain even during summer it, it got cold like in the morning there was like six degrees or like i guess the equivalent would be for a fahrenheit for our us and other british i don't know listeners but um yeah no it, it was it was kind of light. Uh, you could be, you could go. Even, I met people who did like even had backpacks which were four kilos and only like one change of clothes. So they were wearing one pair. I mean, one set of clothes, and then they just had one more, and they would just wash every day. But that was too. I mean, it was gonna be too extreme for me. I you, yeah. you get at the end of the day, you just wanna relax and drink a beer, and then no, you don't wanna wash. So anyway, yeah. That... Uh, that's maybe, I mean, packing really, really light. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that as as the Camino just, uh, I mean, you, it, it just winds down. I mean, along 
different places so you you can stop by like different villages or or towns every yeah. day so you, you get the chance to buy whatever whatever you you are missing in, in case you didn't pack for it right but uh, yes at the, same, sure. at the same time i feel like you you may want to have some extra clothes with you something that you already know you are comfortable with in case you you need a change or an extra layer yep uh actually yes uh hi thinking about that i had also one base layer like uh just just for the cold but that wasn't enough again because that's why i bought the sweater but as you said like as you walk along the way um there are many shops or like not only that you can talk to other pilgrims that they will gladly help you uh so and give you stuff uh, as well so like you're never alone like and also again if you forget something from home again you can get it very easily and yes also okay on top of the six heels backpack also you have to add everyday weight varies based on like the water you carry so i decided just to buy a simple plastic water bottle and i would just refill it and just like uh one that was like one liter and that was more than enough because along the way you find sometimes all the time like every i don't know six kilometers six seven kilometers really? or something you in know an, yeah in, in remote areas like i know you have to cross some plains or like places where you don't really encounter other people every every like 500 meters or so so are these places i mean crowded enough do they have like fountains or small like homes so, you can stop by if you need anything or surprisingly yes like most except like there are a few exceptions but like there are like stretches i think the longest stretch without anything is like 17 kilometers but other than that um it's i mean it's very easy to find water so you don't need to carry a lot in your backpack and also when it comes to food like um usually i, I would have snacks like i would wake up and you know um have an apple or a banana and i, I would wake up very early like 5 a.m and start walking at 5 30 and uh, because i mean you wanted to walk a little bit with the i, I guess with the cold because it's nice and you go faster actually and right. so all the bars and yeah, are closed so the first thing you'll eat is like the snacks from the night before so usually an apple or a banana and then maybe you walk one hour and a half two, and then you find the first bar in the first village and you can get uh you know your breakfast where it is like a tortilla which is you know this egg the i'm gonna say egg cake made with potatoes and onions is where every bar makes it or the other thing they do is like this like paninis called bocadillos uh -huh. with case with queso and jamon i mean that's i feel like that's the only thing they do but maybe i'm gonna be maybe i'm too brutal but that's what i that was my nutrition my diet for 20 days at least what about what about the most famous tapas they have like usually those snacks or appetizers they serve for yeah yeah lunch? well in Yes, some for lunch, some places they have extra, I mean, some like, I don't know, some, I want to call them peppers, like they're, I don't know, they're very typical like peppers they serve. And then 
they might have like some variety of other foods but to be honest i mean since you go through like very small towns it's very limited unless you're in a big city i didn't really have a chance to i mean add variety to my diet a lot so what i would do i mean sometimes during the day you, you stop it okay for lunch let's say in bars again and eat something most likely again it's a bocadillo or a salad and then at night, I mean, some hostels have the chance, have the kitchen. Uh, and so you, in that case, you can buy stuff from the supermarket and cook for yourself. But to be honest, I think I, I've cooked uh, maybe three, four times. I don't know, no more than that. Um, so, yeah, like at dinner also, like most places, most hostels offer like the menu of the day, let's say for pilgrims, it's like 10 euros. There's like, a, you know, uh, a first entree and then another another meal, like it can be chicken or fish and then side dish and wine. And I mean, there you get your variety, I guess. Uh, and I mean, also just to give a general idea of the of the track, like uh, I think like food looks pretty much the same to me from the very beginning. So from the Navarra region across the Rioja, and then Castilla y Leon. But then as you reach Leon, which is like, uh, again, as a town in Castilla y Leon, you start to feel the influence of Galicia, which is like the most Western point in the Camino. Uh, in this region, like they have a very big uh, fish and octopus culture, I would say, and food starts to change. And I really like that a lot. Like. Octopus there was amazing, and you are, you go you take that with this white wine called Albariño, and and man, I, I swear that that was one of the best meals I had. I mean, even I mean, compared also to Italy, like it was pretty good, you know. Just like I, I especially remember one night I had like just it was just me. I was by myself. Octopus, four glasses of Albarino. I was done. 9 p.m. I went to bed, slept 10 hours. It was amazing. I woke up at 7. No regrets. Um, when, it, when it comes to, to the hostels where you were staying uh, mm-hmm. at, every, at every night, did you, did you have to book them in advance or were you just stopping by them and, and check if they had any, any rooms available, any vacancy? Okay, the short answer is if you travel alone, I mean, and which I didn't for the most part, um, it's very easy. Like you just show up and usually they have a spot. But also if you're in a group, like that was my case. I, I started alone, but like then you meet people that have your your own pace, like your the same pace as you. So like they do like say 30 kilometers per day and that's their goal. Um, so it's harder to book for, I mean, to find space for more people, but from, let's say the very beginning, so Saint-Jean until Saria, which is a, a, a town which is 120 kilometers away from uh, Santiago, it was very, we would just show up and we, we would find places, even though it was like the high season, um, there, not, there are not as many pilgrims there as there are in the final part, because from Saria, if you still walk from Saria, which is this town, which is only 120 kilometers away to Santiago, um, you still get, let's say, the Compostela, which is like the certificate that says that you did the Camino. So many people who have 
not as much time uh, or not the possibility to walk the whole way just do that and so it gets very busy and there you have for sure to call in advance i i remember especially if you try to call also if you try to call and speak in english i don't know most of the time they tell you it's busy like it's completely full like no way you're gonna get a spot but then if a spanish person speaks and calls it's there's always a spot like i don't know I, I, that was my experience like so have spanish people calling for you or try italian if you're italian just like they they understand and it works that's a good trick to know <laughs> yeah um so i think the camino looks uh, like such a a big endeavor because it it stretches for like more than 1000 kilometers so it's it's really like many people may feel a bit daunted about taking this this hike but uh, how did you really feel it like was it uh, exerting for your body like walking an average of 30 or 35 kilometers every day did you feel any muscle ache or fatigue toward the end or was it more or less okay did you find your own pace and and was it fine for you i did find my own pace um the hardest day for me was the first one because you have to go across the pyrenees uh i don't know how you pronounce that in english but it's the mountain range between france and spain so there's a lot of elevation gain and then you drop down back to Roncisvalle. so i think you start at 150 meters above sea level from saint jean you go up to 1000 200 or something like that and then you go back to 800 or maybe even 1400 i don't remember but well, uh, you climb you climb mount kilimanjaro and you you hike uh, along the via degli dei path where you have similar elevation gains so i guess you i mean yes. it wasn't too bad at the end yes but you know coming being the first day it was so hard i don't know i at the end of it like my knees would really hurt a lot and I could barely stand up. So I wondered, like, how am I going to do the whole thing? But then again, uh, this is the hardest. I think it was the hardest, uh, you know, uh, stage, let's say, of the Camino. Uh, I mean, it took me 26 days to do the whole thing. And for the other 25, uh, my body really adapted. Like, I would walk, uh, I mean, 30 kilometers, I would drink a lot of water, get a lot of eat often like every two hours a week is either a snack or have a proper meal so that was very helpful i mean you learn the tricks as you go and so i mean have some rest every now and then that also very helpful do stretching and like correctly at night and also before leaving like all these little things at the end really made the, the journey that looked impossible possible so uh yeah I actually at the end of it i was tired of course but I wasn't exhausted. I mean, I still had the, I mean, we're going to discuss this in a later episode, but I still had the strength to go 100 kilometers more to Finisterra. So I, I mean, the body adapts, can do incredible things. So just believe in it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, how did you cope with the eat during most of the, the day? Because I'm assuming that after the sun rises, it's, it's getting a bit hectic to, to walk in august in spain so actually just the in the first region like so navarra it was very hot during the daytime but the other regions honestly they would reach like maybe 
30 degrees max, which is still hot, but still doable. I mean, I had, okay. I had, I didn't mention it before, but I had like one of those hats covering, you know, like those Explorer hats. I don't know how you call them, but anyway, it was very helpful. And I mean, again, drinking a lot of water helps. Also the profile of the Camino is like mostly, you wouldn't think about it, but it's very like, it's usually you are like 600, 700 meters above sea level almost all the time. So you, I mean, you're, uh, let's say you, you, you benefit from that because the, actually the temperatures are cool, very cool during the morning. So I told you like one day, I think it was before Leon. So like it was like 300 kilometers before Santiago. It, it was just like six degrees, it's like so cold. And you wouldn't expect that, of course, but at the same time, you were like, we were like 800 meters above sea level, even though everything looked flat. It was like a, a plateau. So, um, but yes, so the heat was bearable, I would say. Uh, of course, I, the, the, the more you walk in the morning, the better before midday. But sometimes, I mean, what we used to do in my group at least was that we will walk, let's say, fast in the morning and then have lunch and then usually have like the last seven kilometers for after lunch, so, which is like one hour and a half, two hours if you go slow. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's my recommendation. Walk fast in the morning, start before sunrise. Also, you get to see beautiful surroundings all the time. That was one of the most beautiful parts of the Camino too. So I highly recommend that. <laughs> Did you stick with the same people group along the whole way? So I did find uh, on the second day, like this group of, we were six people basically, and we stuck together for 20 days until, I think until Saria. Yes, that, so basically almost, yeah, 700 kilometers, maybe a little more. Oh, oh sorry, maybe a little less, sorry. Um, and uh, yes, I mean, it was, we were all Italians, of course, because I mean, most Italian people have holidays during that time. And honestly, I love the variety of experiences that each person in the group had. Like, so there was a guy who built, you know, industrial machines. There was a professional volleyball player. There was a guy who was a sommelier. Uh, another guy, a girl that instead worked at the European Commission. So I love the variety of, you know, um, backgrounds and stories that, I mean, these people tell you because at the end of the day, like during the Camino, yes, most of the time, I mean, you know, you're going to walk six to eight hours per day. So sometimes you might listen, you might be listening to music, but most of the time you're talking to these people and, I mean, you find joy also in listening to them because you find so much about other stuff that you would never ever thought about before. And you're like, you real, I mean, you realize that you know nothing. That's what my point, I guess. And that was kind of interesting too for me as a revelation of the Camino. I guess this is what they call tray magic. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. There was, there was some pretty trail magic right there. I tell you. Uh, so yeah, I almost walked all the way with them, but then I wanted to speed up and, and that's when I did my first 42 kilometers by myself and got blisters. 
because they wanted to reach this city called Melide that has the best pulpo in Galicia, apparently. And again, it was worth it to walk. And also, I mean, you get to find other people like in a hostels, you always find someone else with you're going to bond with. It's so easy to talk to someone else on the Camino because you're on this thing, like you're doing the same thing and it's just easy just to check on someone and then maybe the conversation starts and it's very easy to make friendships there. That's, uh, that's, yeah. So you mentioned that that was the most beautiful experience in your life. So what's like the key highlight of the Camino or in general of your own experience? Like what, what really impress you or change your life if it's not an exaggeration or whatever like really um yeah what, what do you what's your main takeaway from from that experience uh, i mean i guess as i said before you you think a lot during the coming you have time to think a lot a lot about all the things you want like that are like you know running in your brain and i mean I just took many decisions while on the Camino, like, you know, next year, I want to live alone. Next year, I want to do this job. And so I, I think it was very enlightening, like, because you get to talk to people and then you have, I don't know, it's a, a full brainstorming session the whole time. And also, I mean, some people, there's also always the question, so why do you do the Camino at a certain, like at a certain time with every person that you walk with? Like, it's gonna come up and i mean while i had a pretty i mean just uh, i'm gonna say uh not spe not special like I, i just had free time so i that's why i did it but some other people like the this the story behind the why they're doing this it, it's just incredible like i mean many people are like going through like difficult moments or like um they have a disease and Like, I remember, like, maybe the most impressive one was I met this Danish uh, lady. She's not, she was on her 50s, and she had a disease that she had to be in the surgical, what's it called? Uh, she, yeah, in the surgical room, like, every, I don't know, almost every year. She has so many operations because she had, a, like, a, a cancer that would just grow back every time. She had to remove it every time. And... She was on the on a wheelchair and the doctors told her, I mean, you're not gonna walk anymore. And she was like, No way, uh, this is not gonna happen. So since then she told me she walked the Camino four times. Like she is just I mean, I think you find I don't know, strength. Yeah, just uh, a fair like, fair different bunch of motivations for why people do it. Yes, it, I mean I'll It is just incredible to me, and uh, it's amazing. And uh, I mean, if, if I can give you another highlight of the whole, you know, Camino, I met this uh, Brazilian guy, Brazilian man, who, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's, I, I, his name is Eduardo, and uh, he, and we were like, I don't know, I, I met him like throughout the Camino every other day because we would go to, around the same place, and he always would be at, at a bar. But then, uh, you know, I he told me that when you when you you'll hear the, the the bagpipes, you know everything will be over, like just like that. Is it's 
and such a mysterious sentence. Uh, of course, I did. I mean, I guess I had an idea of what that could mean, but it was just like very okay, whatever, like fine. So the day I reached Santiago, I there's actually like before you walk into the main square, you start. I started hearing like the, the bagpipes, and uh, I was like, I thought of that moment like maybe two, three weeks ago before. And you know, I started crying a little bit. It's like, oh sh damn. And then I mean it's it really gets you when you get there. Like so many people are like emotional and cry. And uh, I, I mean, maybe for some is spiritual, maybe for some is religious. I don't know. It's it's just yeah, a beautiful all, moment. The, yeah, probably all, all, all the effort that it took to get there, it's it's in a way like just it stacks up so it gets you once you reach. Yeah, no, the the feeling of reaching there is incredible. And for, I mean, for that reason, I, on purpose, like if you continue, you can go to either Finisterra or like there's another final destination called Musia. I didn't go on this to Musia just because maybe one day I'll do another Camino, maybe not the French way, but I'll do uh, the Portuguese way or the Camino del Nord so that I have an excuse to go back. That's what I, I mean, yeah, it was so overwhelmingly nice, if that's a, a good way to describe it, that when you arrive there, that, I mean, it's worth doing it another time for sure. That sounds great. Um, if, I, if I may just ask something a little bit more down to earth, uh, mm -hmm. how much, I mean, does it cost like to plan and, and and go through this world trip because it's like people people maybe are used to shorter hikes or different type of holidays so can, can you give us just a, a ballpark about how, how much does it cost to 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 plan for this type of trip departing from italy and and just staying in spain in, in mm -hmm. that type of accommodation and 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 everything for more or less one month assuming that you already have most of your gear so just factoring in the cost of living there and displacing mm -hmm. and, and just eating of course or buying like personal stuff okay i want to say i spent a thousand to eleven hundred euros from you know starting from italy taking a plane from Lyon to biarritz and take i mean other transportation and then staying hostels and then from santiago until reaching santiago because at the end of the day, on a typical Camino day, you would spend usually 12 euros for your albergue or hostel. And, and then, I mean, lunch to me is usually between 5 to 10 euros. And dinner, let's say it's 10 euros. So basically, you spend like around 30 euros on average per day. Assuming you have all on, I mean, you have all the right gear, so you don't spend money on, I don't know, bandages or whatever. Right. Uh, so 30, okay, times 26 times, I, I don't know what it, it's a little less than 770, I want to say, I don't know, uh, so, something like that. And then you add, you factor in the flight and uh, all the transports and, I don't know, emergencies, I want to say. So, yeah, around a thousand euros for sure. 
but again if you think about it you're going away for a whole month so right it seems it seems very convenient i feel this will will encourage many people just to to leave and and take and take this hike yeah no uh, absolutely like it's affordable of course the most i mean you, you can do it all, only if you have time so that's the most precious resource more than money so if you have time yeah uh, i guess that's the main uh, challenge for people to tackle the whole thing uh, but absolutely it's uh, budget wise it's it's doable did you did you encounter any any people who who were giving up or that you you know that they didn't really complete the wall hike i mean apart from people that were already willing to take just the last stretch as many people do mm-hmm. i know there are people that just take the last uh 100 kilometers or so but uh, like people that were willing to initially willing to complete the wall camino and then decided to to give up for whatever reason did you did you meet anyone like that actually no i i mean i guess the closest example i have is this guy who actually i think rented uh, a bike a motorbike in the mesetas which is the central region between burgos and leon and like the one with there's not a lot going on just like a lot of planes and wheat fields and you know windmills so and I think he has so many blisters he had to take a motorbike to just uh, catch up. But that was the only one. I actually, a girl in my group, uh, uh, let's say she finished the whole thing and when she had like her feet hurting very bad and she finally got it checked out in Santiago and she had a fracture in her, in her like feet. So like, like, so she was going every day with like a lot of pain, but she did it. So many people, I think, Honestly, they just keep going. I mean, from what I've seen, like uh, regardless of the pain or, or the severity of, you know, what you're going through. Right. All right. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing your own experience with us. I think has been enlightening for many. Um, just a final question on my end. Is there any like any piece of advice or any final tip recommendation that you would feel people that are planning for this Camino would, would need to know? Um, my, I suggest that once you have your backpack sorted, don't worry about your, I mean, about planning. Don't plan. The plan is not to plan. Like reach there, start, see what a good pace for you is like and then just trust your body because you you will you will feel the signs you'll know when to stop and when to keep going so i suggest just go with the flow to be honest like uh you you you'll uh, you'll know what to do when you're there so don't worry too much all right that seems fair <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all this with us of course, no problem. And uh, I look forward to share. I mean, the last three days uh, about Pisterra and reaching the end of the world in the next episode. Of course. All right. Well, uh, I guess thank you for listening in and see you next time. See you, everyone. <laughs>